There's nothing wrong with ha having a great reputation. This is the church in Thessalonica that Paul was preaching to had a great reputation. Today's second reading, Paul is boasting about how they received the word of God. Because they received the word of God in their great suffering with joy in the Holy Spirit. And such a great reputation that they had that the, all the surrounding churches knew what kind of reception they had of Paul's preaching. And Paul is bragging to them and boasting and he's saying, he saw even the other churches heard, quote, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to await his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the coming wrath. I'm going to focus just real briefly this morning on how this community of faith turned to God from idols to worship and to serve the true and living God. You see, the context here is that Paul is preaching to largely a Gentile population who were worshiping the pagan gods, right? And, and, and the, the pagan gods that they were worshiping also included the cult of the emperor. They worshiped the emperor as God. And yet, Paul's preaching was so powerful that it turned them away from worshiping the false gods so they could worship the God of Jesus Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, God had been revealing to the, through the prophets that he's calling his people to turn away from the idols of the nations. That Israel, when it struggled with their faith, would no longer trust in God, but they'd go after the gods of the nations. And in the Old Testament, the gods of the nations were, were false gods. They weren't gods at all. In fact, they led to death. Worshiping God led to life. Worshiping the false idols led to death. And this is why we see in Psalm 135, for example, the psalmist says this, the, the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is their breath in their mouths. Their makers will come to be like them and anyone who trusts in them. You see, false gods are lifeless. They do not have power to save. In contrast, according to Paul, the God of Jesus Christ is the God who created us. He is the source of our life. He is the source of the love that we long for, and he is the only one that can give us joy and freedom. How is this relevant to us today? Well, we know that while we're not exactly tempted to worship the ancient gods, we're not tempted to worship the sun or the moon or the emperor, although I think some people are tempted to worship certain politicians, we are tempted to worship anything that we put above God. Anything that we put above God is, is a temptation for us, is an idol for us, because we're looking for something in that that we really should be looking from God alone. And that's why I think it's as, Christian, as Christians, it's helpful for us to think of sin in terms of idolatry. That the moment we put something above God and obedience to him, that thing becomes an idol for us. And when some, that, the moment that that thing becomes an idol for us, it begins to act like a poison in our life. To take us away from the God who gives us life, who gives us love and joy and freedom. And the poison begins to eat away from the very things that we're seeking in those idols. That's why it's important for us to see our sin in terms of idolatry. Some of you know that I've preached um, several times on this particular example um, over the past few years, but I think it's worth repeating. So when someone says, Father, I deliberately missed Mass on Sunday. One of my first questions to them in response, not to shame them, but I just simply say, what did you worship instead? 
And they'll look at me like, what do you mean? Like, well, what did you worship instead? I mean, there's a basic commandment of worshiping God. We're his creatures, right? We, he deserves our worship. What did you worship instead? And they think to themselves, like, well, well what was it? And I say, maybe it's leisure. Maybe you, you, you actually worshiped your pancakes more than God, right? Or maybe you actually went up, up north and you didn't really want to go to the neighboring church. Or maybe the, your, your children's sports took priority over, over God. Whatever it is, identify what that is. Because once you know what has become an idol in your life, you know how to disregard that idol and to worship God. And the other thing that I sometimes ask them, I'll say, name what it is that took priority over God and ask yourself this question. Did, did this thing create me? Does it lovely, love me like God does? Can it save me from death? Well, of course, the answer to all of that is no, no, they can't. You see, the reality here is that we are often tempted to worship the very thing God gives to us as gifts, as God. And the moment we do that is the moment those things begin to be bad for us. They begin to act like poison in our life. And notice that depending on the state of the heart, there are some people that struggle with some things more than others. That's why some people can have certain things in their life and be perfectly fine in worshiping God. Other people, that becomes an idol for them. St. Augustine talks about sin as disordered love. That's ultimately what idolatry is. It's loving something above God. So sin is, is idolatry is disordered love. So how does it look like in other areas of our life? What does this look like? Well, think about this. The good of honest to hard work, something that we should pursue, honest, hard work, that can be an idol when our work in our pursuit of money is detrimental to our relationship with God and to our family. Right? That can happen in so many different ways. But a really good thing, honest and hard work, can become an idol for us. Or think about this one. The good of being loved by our family and friends. The good of being popular. Right? That is a good thing. It, 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 you, it's a good thing to have a good reputation. But that can become an idol when we love the praise of others more than we love the praise of God. When we seek that above our praise of God. Because it can cause us to shrink back from living our faith in front of our friends and our family. It can cause us to shrink back to not to share and to be open about who we are in Christ. Or think about this. The good of seeking pleasure. Right? It's not bad to seek pleasure. But that can become an idol when we seek pleasure by using other people, by grasping from them what they can give to us and no longer loving them. Or when perhaps we put the good of food or alcohol above our relationship with God and above our health. Those things become idols and they begin to act like poison in our life, taking, away, taking us away from the very thing that we seek. Or what about this one? Are even our children and grandchildren can become idols. When we seek to, to make their success in this world a priority over helping them come to know and love God. It's a very common thing, right? Like our love for our children and our grandchildren can become an idol in our life when that becomes more important than helping them know God and know their faith and to love God. You see, as Christians, Jesus is challenging us to really love God above everything. And this is why in today's gospel, Jesus is saying the Shema, which is this famous prayer of Israel, about the, how there is only one God. 
And he talks about the greatest commandment in light of this. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. There is only one God. And anything that we put above God prevents us from loving him with everything that we have. You know, what's interesting is that he's saying that we need to love God with all of our affections. Right? Our heart, our desires, our affections, our, our, our soul, right? the life, the energy that we have. And even our mind, the way that we think, the way that we understand the world, to put God above everything. And he says, the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, these two commandments are the opposite of idolatry. The way out of idolatry is to truly love God above everything, is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Some of you might be thinking, well, this is actually really hard. How do we do this? I just want to offer a very brief two-step process of turning away from idols to worship the true and living God. Number one, ask Jesus to reveal the idols that you're tempted to worship. Very simple. Ask him to, to reveal to you the idols that you're tempted to worship. And this is really important because if we're honest with ourselves, we don't always want to know what those are, do we? We don't really always want to know what we're putting above God. But it could be as simple as this, Lord, what am I tempted to put above you in my life? And when we ask that question and we're radically honest with ourselves, God can reveal to us the very thing that we're struggling with in terms of idolatry. You know, say, if we don't ask him, we don't actually open our hearts to him, it's going to be very hard for us to know what those, those are. In fact, we cannot really resolve a problem that we're not aware of. And this is why our openness is so important. Because I believe he wants to reveal these things to us, not to shame us, but so that we can get rid of the idols, so as to open our hearts to receive what he wants to give to us. And so very, just very honestly, over the years I've prayed this very prayer, and often he says to me, you care too much about what people think of you. And it's something like, I, okay, I, I should be more mature than that. And certainly I've grown in this area, but sometimes that actually happens. I, it becomes an idol that I, I care a lot about what people think of me, even in the parish. And that can really, really take away what God has for me and for you. But when I, when I acknowledge that, that's precisely when I begin to work on it. When I begin to uh, like grow in my relationship with God and become free of that idol. It's a very important part, just simply asking Jesus, like, reveal to me, Lord, what am I tempted to put above you? Number two is quickly repent and ask Jesus, what, ask Jesus to show you what he wants you to love instead. I'll put it a different way, simply repent and ask Jesus to show you how he wants you to love instead. This is really important because as we experience his, as we experience his mercy, he might show us how he wants to to love him instead in a different way. Because again, with idolatry, we're, 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 dis, we're loving in a disordered way. He wants to reconfigure and reorder our hearts on how we love. This is, really, this is really powerful because sometimes he just simply shows us that the very thing that we're worshiping is a gift from him. Maybe, for example, you're praying about, Lord, I'm just tempted not to go to Mass because I love my lake house and I don't want to leave. Like, I'm sorry about that. How do you want me to love instead? He might say... Thank me for that house. Let me to come and enjoy time with you there. Right? He might show you that. Or he might just simply say, like, as you're, hey, I'm tempted to put this thing above you. He might simply say, I want you to just, like, let go of control. Like, I, I have you. I'm providing for you. You don't need to do this thing. I have it. 
And he might lead us into a place of surrender so that we no longer fearfully put this idol above him. And that's kind of what he does for me when I, when I pray. I say, Lord, I, I, I really am attached to what people think of me at times. Like, what, how, how do you want me to love instead? And he said to me recently, he says, let me deal with what they think of you. I got it. You don't have to anymore. And the freedom that comes from that, of acknowledging, right? But also receiving from him is so powerful for transformation. My brothers and sisters, I know this is a challenging word. I know this is difficult. But I also know that when we choose to turn away from our idols to worship the living and true God, we position ourselves to live in his life, his love, his joy, and his blessing. And we can receive what God has for us. And that's a very attractive thing. In one sense, I don't really care if St. Pat's has a great reputation. It's not, it's not so much about the reputation, but I do care about whether or not our parishioners, our people, have a reputation of turning away from idols to worship the true and living God. Because just imagine this. Imagine what would happen if our surrounding community, our friends and our family, the people in our culture who are caught up in worshiping false gods, imagine if they see in us a likeness of the living God, a God of love, of joy, of freedom, a God that's filled us with life. Imagine if they see that in us. Maybe they would be more open to hearing about Jesus who saves us from sin, who saves us from death, and he saves us from the coming judgment. Just perhaps they would be more open. Whether or not that happens for our families and friends and our community is up to us.